Hello, thanks for choosing the Limbs and Me podcast. We are all about growth and realistic self-betterment, both in our personal and professional lives. I'm Looms, and if you're anything like me, then you're doing a pretty passable job of adulting and just hoping for the best. So I hope this series helps you as much as it's helping me. There's a new episode every Sunday, but if you want more, then head to looms.me. One of my favorite episodes of the podcast so far is the episode that I did called How to Talk to Single Women. And it's still by far my favorite episode, mostly because the amount of thought work and introspection that it took to produce that episode has had a pretty visceral knock-on effect on my views on dating as a 30-something-year-old that I did not expect. And this week, I'd love to share some of the aftermath of that episode with you in the hopes that it might bring you or someone you care about a little bit of peace and maybe some clarity on this topic. If you haven't listened to the episode already, then I would say pause this one, go and listen to that one, and then come back to this one. All in all, it'll probably cost you about 30 minutes of your time total because the episodes aren't very long, but it would be helpful if you have the background of the other one so you know where I'm going with this one. For the better part of the last decade, I hated dating. I used to hate anything to do with dating. Swiping was torture. Actual dating was demoralizing. And being single year after year felt like it was this weird gift that I'd never asked for, but was somehow supposed to be enjoying. I didn't like being around couples. And when friends would get coupled up to other lovely human beings, as they all eventually did, I couldn't shake the feeling that I was failing and being abandoned somehow. It it sounds so wild to say that now, but I genuinely did feel that way. And I would bristle whenever the topic of dating came up or when I was asked why I was still single. And I'd just get fed up with all the unsolicited platitudes that were intended as loving reassurances from loved ones, but were actually just irritating to be on the receiving end of. I was making other people's relationships mean something about me, and I was making my singledom mean something about me, when in reality, neither of those things define or needed to mean anything at all about me. Back in April, I extended a work trip in order to spend my first ever solo weekend abroad in a very sunny Lake Como, and I spent three full days exploring alone, eating alone, writing alone in really beautiful cafes surrounded by couples who were clearly experiencing their most romantic weekend ever. And there was a time when this would have been my absolute worst nightmare, but instead I actually had a pretty superb weekend. I wouldn't have wanted any of this any other way, and I'm still so shocked about that, and I'm shocked at just how good of a time I had in that situation. So what changed? What changed from the me that used to hate dating to the me that really just relished being in the most romantic place in the world, surrounded by people also being very romantic with each other, and technically by myself, but just feeling on top of the world the whole time? The thing that changed was my thoughts, obviously. (laughs) This won't be news to anyone who's been listening so far. The biggest reason so many of us hate dating is because of the thoughts that we're having about dating and what we're making them all mean about us. In my case, I had, unbeknownst to me, 
ingested and subscribed to society's core narrative that being in a relationship was way better than being single. And so because of that, I was treating being single as something I was failing to overcome, like like it was something that I needed to escape. And with that mentality, every date was basically a measure of whether or not I would be rescued by the poor, unsuspecting person who had asked me to go on a date with them. Now, every swipe on an app that wasn't a match or every match that ended up going nowhere would just serve as a reminder that I was failing and therefore a failure. So it's no wonder I hated dating. These thoughts would play on a loop over and over again. And when they did, my brain would do what all human brains do. It set about finding as much evidence as it could, as often as it could, to prove me right. The hypothesis I'd given it was that I was a failure and that I was failing. And so at relationships, obviously I was bossing it everywhere else. But when it came to relationships... I was a failure, and so my brain was just trying to find evidence to back that up, because our brains just want to be right. I talk a little bit more about this in my episode on confirmation bias, so check that one out after this one. You'll be here for a while. (laughs) I haven't even mentioned my thoughts about other couples. Yeah, I mean, I used to make other people's relationships mean all sorts of things about me and my value. So with that mentality, couples weren't evidence that love was possible. Instead, they were evidence that I was missing something, that the men were running out and that there'd be none left for me, and I would have to live this cursed life on my own. Just imagine that. Lake Como was a pleasure because I've managed to recognize and shift all of these thoughts since that very first episode I did on how to talk to single women. I've instructed my brain to find evidence of the thoughts that I want to believe, and it's been smashing the assignment so far. And that's why the couples in Lake Como made me smile so, so big, because seeing them was just evidence that love exists and Maybe the world isn't necessarily falling apart like it might sometimes feel like it is. It's also why I would feel empathy watching couples argue instead of the usual, you know, smug vindication. Because a couple arguing is is obviously proof that love is a lie. (laughs) But I did see a couple of couples arguing when I was out walking by the lake. And my immediate thought was, oh, I hope you guys work it out. And even that was very surprising to me because I've never just it's just it's a new thought process for me. And it was amazing to have my brain offer up that thought as the default instead of what it used to offer up, which really just wasn't serving me at all. It's also why I look forward to eating solo when I was over there, even when, you know, I'm sure very well-meaning strangers asked me to join them and also stranger danger. So no, thank you. I've talked often about the power of self-talk and being intentional about the stories we tell ourselves. And it took months of very difficult coaching to shift all the different mindsets that I've had for years. Not all have been shifted, but the core ones that really were driving states of mind and thoughts that just weren't helpful to how I wanted to feel. 
and it didn't hit home for me that I was making any sort of progress until the solo weekend. Seeing couples holding hands, laughing together, exchanging snuggles <laughs> by the lake. I don't know why that makes me laugh so much. It's so juvenile, but seeing all that made me smile because the link between other couples and my sense of self-worth has been fully severed. So what does this mean for dating? Well, I can no longer relate to the feelings of hating dating, which is a new sensation that I'm trying to get used to. I don't dread dating, and if anything, I'm very curious to know what a looms who doesn't hate dating is like on a date. So I will keep you all posted on that. So how can you start to apply this for yourself? Well, I've already given a lot of the core principles in previous episodes. It's about challenging the beliefs that you have about the life you're supposed to be leading. And supposed to be is a big clue because that will tell you where those beliefs come from. So sitting with those. It's changing the way that you talk to yourself and the stories that you tell yourself about the situations that you're in and the life that you're currently leading. And in the stories that you tell yourself about your own self-worth and where you're getting the data points that dictate what your self-worth is. Where are those data points coming from? And what's the process behind them? What purpose are the stories that you're telling yourself trying to serve you? And then it's also, probably most importantly, making the decision that you want to feel differently than how you currently do. Because without that fundamental decision, you're probably just going to resist any sort of possible change. For me, I didn't realize that changes were happening until I started to pay attention. And so being on the other side now, it definitely has been, I will say, a journey that has been worth going on. And it's worth one that I'm still on, but I'm a lot further ahead than I've ever been. And I'm so excited for that. If any of this has sparked anything in you or you're thinking to yourself, I don't even know where to begin, even though we just talked about where to begin, then get in touch, looms.me, M for mother, E for elephant. All the details are in the show notes. Get in touch and I can definitely help you get started and together we can move you forward into a situation and into a set of mindsets that actually serve you better than the ones that you're currently experiencing right now. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast, then tell a friend or many friends or a foe or many foes. It makes a great icebreaker. If you want to get back in touch with somebody you haven't spoken to in a while, share it far and wide. All right, that's enough of that. We'll see you back here next week. 